how's it going? This is Beards and Brews, movie reviews, where we watch a movie and then we drink about it. This week's movie is going to be Blade Runner, and this one's actually my pick. And who are you, good sir? I'm Eric. And I'm Brady. And I'm Chandler. The reason why I wanted to share this movie with you guys is because this movie is damn near brilliant, but I don't like it. I have tried several times to watch this movie, and I just... There's something... The je ne sais quoi is lost on me. I don't know what to do about it. Uh, watching this film, it is the absolute worst, best movie I've ever seen in my life. I've seen this movie around six, seven times, and each time I find new things to catch my eye, new visual stimuli, new audio stimuli, just things that you go, wow, that's really cool. Wow, look at that. Wow. You know, just Owen Wilson and the hell out of this film. Wow. But at the wow. same time, I'm just detached from the film. I don't really care about any of it except the soundtrack. The Man. I, I, I don't want to get too deep into that without being into the review, so I'll just shut up for a moment. No, no, it's okay. Like, I, I totally agree. The soundtrack is fucking beautiful. Like, I, I downloaded it because it'll be in the background somewhere in this review, and I just... I took like half an hour just to listen to like a little bit of it. It's so addictive and just mood setting. This was actually the first time I'd ever seen the movie. I watched this last night and literally within about two or three minutes, I wrote down the score is phenomenal. It was blowing me away. I loved it. It's almost like, um, how can I describe it? It's not quite techno. It's not quite like all 80s futuristic. It's like a... Well, I mean, a good description would be like tech noir, which is basically what this Ooh. movie is. It's, it's a um, it's a detective movie just set in the future. This movie, the way to think about it is, you took an amazing score, you took an amazing world, and you took a shitty movie and you turned it into a phenomenon. The whole time you're watching it, you're like, wow. But at the same time, you go, I don't give a shit. It's weird, but it's incredible. So is it like yeah. the, the Avatar of the 80s? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think no. this movie made that much money. <laughs> Not only that, but like Avatar is visually stunning, but I don't think it's going to have that, because people already stopped talking about Avatar. This movie is still going, because it's a showcase it of everything you want to do in a movie. Well, I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I mean, this movie, I've seen it a ton of times. Um, every time I watch it, I find something new as well. This is probably the closest I've gotten to really enjoying this movie. Like, I gave this movie every benefit of the doubt. Like, my phone away, nothing like, you know, I have my headphones on. They're, like, super tight on my head so that I can hear nothing but. And this is probably the best time I've had. So there, there there's something there, and I'll find it. This is just the closest that I've gotten to it. Yeah, I'll tell you, like I said, this is the first time that I've, I've seen it. And I, I sat down, and I was like, I know I've heard great things about this movie i've heard all kinds of things don't really know what it's about but i sat down and honestly i was blown away i i really really enjoyed it um now most of that i absolutely was just the visual appeal how visually striking it was and how the score was was just always yeah they they set such a tone with this film the the shots are so gorgeous everything in this film the way it's the way it's shot the the way the audio comes in 
uh, the lighting, the special effects to be as old as this is. You see those cop cars? Yeah. Holy shit, those cop cars. It looks better than things that we're putting on screen today. It was all practical, too. I mean, that's what exactly what was going through my mind. This movie was made in 1982. This is the movie Ridley Scott made after, right after Alien. Uh, it's all miniatures, all little models uh, shot on either blue or green screen. It's fantastic. And that's incredible. Uh, like you said earlier, this is the closest that you felt like you enjoyed or appreciated this film. To me, yeah. making these notes gave me a greater feeling for this movie because I got to notice everything. I, I pulled it on. Now, mind you, it didn't help Harrison Ford. He was still the flattest performance I've ever seen. Uh, just... Uh, but to take the notes and to really enjoy the way this thing is put together and given to the viewer, he knocked it out of the fucking park. And the more I think about it, like I, I just finished watching like the last half. I'm still kind of jazzed about it. Maybe, maybe I'm just like asking too much of the movie to like present itself to me. Maybe I enjoyed it a lot more this time because my guard was totally down. I think for the first time, I think I kind of liked it. I this was pretty good, but yeah. I think there is something missing and I can't discuss it because it is not this movie. So what do you say we get into the, the meat and the potatoes about this? Like, uh, the, what is this movie? Blade Runner. Uh, I don't have the wiki page up or anything. Anyways, it's uh, it takes place in the futuristic year of 2019. Whoa, can't wait to get there, guys. Yeah, the year 2019. Where in this place you have computer pyramid buildings, flying cars, lightsaber-esque fluorescent umbrellas. And in our 2019, we have Instagram, cell phones attached to your faces, and people eating Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, uh, the movie opens up. You get a nice aerial shot of what uh, they thought L.A. was going to be like in the future. It's very, very dark, very grim, very, um, what do you call it, almost poke post-apocalyptic but there was nothing in the um in the movie um is mentioned that like a, a something severe has happened or anything it's like on its way to being post-apocalyptic it's yeah. almost post-apocalyptic it has this thing where it has um they i guess people at the time especially pop culture had predicted that um uh japanese culture would have a stronger influence on the united states uh, you see that in like other 80s movies too, especially like uh, Back to the Future 2, where it's just very Japanese, but still like American-esque. Oh, yeah. Uh, you get to see that skyline, and it looks about right, except for the flying cars. I mean, just smog, lots of buildings. <laughs> it zooms in on the uh, Tyrell Corp building, and uh, you get a little peek inside, and they're having like a little meeting. You find out uh, there's a gentleman there, his name is Holden, and he's uh, interviewing another gentleman by the name of Leon. That guy. I, I don't know, you know, spoilers, if because he's a replicant, he talks the way he does, or if that's how they scripted him to write. I hate this character through the entire film. Like, just do not like this character. He's definitely like some weird bug-eyed dude, for sure. It's um... The way he delivers his lines in this scene, later in the film, just every time, it bothers me. He's got like a nuance about it that Rutger Hauer kind of uses it too. But his seems eloquent as to where this character's is just, I don't like it. Uh, he kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, in Men in Black, when the bug first crashes and he takes over whatever his name's body. Her. He sort of has that feeling of uh, like something inside of another skin. 
and not really living like it like it is you know even from the beginning where you don't really know if you know that that's a that's not a human exactly you can kind of see like he's not from here yeah edgar from men in black yeah uh, hey. which is what's his name from full metal jacket <laughs> vincent d'onofrio that's it so just like in the title crawl um this little test is called the Vatkampf test and uh, what it is it basically determines whether or not you're human or a replicant yeah they ask a bunch of questions and try to stimulate an emotional response yeah and this this noir vibe to the film with these gigantic loose rolled cigarettes that you saw the entire movie yeah that room was so like i was sitting there watching it i could smell that room just smelled like stale cigarettes and depression and just walk in and your fingernails just yellow. Ugh. <laughs> but they they go into a gigantic series of questions, random questions. I didn't bother to note any down because nothing really stands out other than the part where you're like, you see a tortoise. It's flipped on its shell and it's baking in the sun and you don't help it. The dude gets all up fucking insane just, oh, wait, wait, I don't help it. <laughs> just all mad. Yeah. <laughs> Open this turtle. I like how that's what it takes to get him upset. Like, there's no personal indication or anything. He's like, what the fuck's a turtle? Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like, it's a tortoise. What's a tortoise? You know what a turtle is? Of course. Same thing. Listening to these questions, it, it makes me wonder what quality of person we have in the future. Or at least in that future. Well, we find out, like, um, they're part of, like, a certain strain of replicants called Nexus 6. And they only have, like, a four-year shelf life. So really, these guys were only built for um, assistance outside of Earth. So they were just, they're stronger, faster, and uh, that other Daft Punk nonsense. And uh, they were just used for work. So they really didn't necessarily have to be too smart. So I guess that would kind of explain why you didn't know what a fuck a turtle was. Yeah, but then you have Roy, Batty, a.k.a. Uh, Mr. Rutger Hauer. He will for now on just be referred to as Rutger Hauer. <laughs> yes, Rutger Hauer. He he plays chess and he is beyond intelligent. So I can only assume that these other guys have some sort of intelligence since the tagline for Tyrell Corporation is more human than human, you know, starring white zombie. That might be the case, uh, but I still feel like he was just like a working hand because we do find out later on uh, when uh, Rudger Hauer meets his maker that uh, he was a, a beautiful specimen. So maybe he was like one of the better ones. Yeah, true. Yeah, his his design for this was, you know, this character who's taking the test was a loading character. He he lifted things and moved stuff. So yeah, the intelligence thing definitely wasn't there. But he fails his test and he knows he's failing. And the gun he pulls out is super tiny. But you know, going back to that Men in Black reference, he shoots this dude and it's like the noisy cricket from Men in Black. <laughs> Yeah, it blows this guy through a fucking wall, and then he shoots him again. I, I like how this dude is like in like a like a jumper suit, like he's working, and he's just a loading dude, but he just has a gun on him, like he just yeah. has it already in hand, like ready just to blow this guy away. And like he walks into the interview holding it. What's a tortoise? <laughs> just point. <at> him. <laughs> that was the, that'd be like the first question. I thought I was asking the question to you. <laughs> Boom. Oh, <laughs> they're both replicants. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking abused. Uh, but he kills this man, boom, boom, and we get our first shot of, hey, Harrison Ford as his character, uh, Deckard. The neon and fluorescent barrage of lights on this city street makes it just come to life. It 
feels real, feels gritty. Uh, this is the only scene that I actually give a shit about that includes Harrison Ford until the end of the film. And all he's doing is eat noodles. I don't know why I like it so much, but just his little back and forth with the vendor in this losing discussion where he knows he's going to lose, but he's still arguing with the guy trying to get what he wants. He's like, I want four. And he's like, you get two. He's like, four. He's like, two. And he's like, all right, well, I want noodles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the only scene that, like, that he does in this. And let's be honest, they look like some bomb-ass noodles. I mean, they do. For real. I had to stop like, to get some noodles a day on my way to this. But were they blue noodles? Or <laughs> blue noodles? They were just regular-ass noodles, but they were good, though. You can probably cut that out. <laughs> it's getting left in now. So he's uh, he's not really down on his luck or anything. He's just kind of like hanging out and fucking busking for noodles, I guess. He, he, he used to be a Blade Runner. Now, a Blade Runner is what you call someone who goes down and retires, uh, worn out, or um, replicants that have gone awry. Or if you're the street vendor, you call them Blade Runner. Yeah. I'm I have to cut that out now, motherfucker. No. <laughs> you have to use the slang term that the police chief uses. He's like, I need you to go air him out. <laughs> oh yeah, get rid of these skin jobs, which is another slur. But we're also introduced uh to Edward James Olmos' character, who I, I I would like to refer to as Edward James Origami. <laughs> and you get to see the police cars. Now this to me when you see that police car but this design is still used to this day like uh you see clear ripoffs of this design in the fifth element uh the total recall remake just to name a couple oh yeah they're called spinners by the way just an fyi i can just see it in my head now and it looks believable yeah they just have really sleek designs a real issue with like especially 80s movies that take place in the future everything was still kind of boxy like yes. they, it was just, they just pulled from their surroundings, but uh, these cars are really smooth, round, and they just look really nice. But he has to go and see the chief, Chief Brian, or whatever. And uh, yeah. whenever he gets taken to see Chief Brian, like you said, he has to do the the skin jobs or whatever. But the chief, this this is one of those moments to where I was watching it. And it's the first time I've actually caught it. And the chief explains to him what a replicant is, what these replicants are, and what he needs him to do even though this was his job for... He explains, basically, to the guy who hunts replicants how to hunt a replicant. That's uh, just so the audience can be on the same page. Yeah, Uh, just so the movie can be. And uh, not because uh, Deckard may have had some uh, ulterior uh, beginnings or anything. Wink, wink. Yeah, you know, is it from all the noodles? Has he forgotten how to do his job? Did the fluorescents give him, like, a mind wipe? (laughs) But he, he has to go and hunt these replicants down. But for... I, I don't recall... He wants him to go over and try the Void Comp test. I guess because he's rustier or whatever. On one of the new brand of replicants at the Tyrell Corporation. Which is a giant robotic pyramid. Which looks fucking cool. Oh yeah, um, he sends him over just because the Nexus 6... Or the line of replicants that are called Nexus 6 are fairly new. So he goes... Sends him over there to speak to uh, Mr. Tyrell himself just to get some insight of how to find them. Yeah, and we get introduced to Shoulders, the sultry robot. <laughs> Damn it. She's so square. Yeah. <laughs> just those shoulder pads and her loose roll giant cigarette. Uh, we also get 
the rainbow, not rainbow, uh, we also get the waterfall of window tint whenever he wants to bring the lights down on his giant window, which was kind of cool. Like, this movie goes out of its way to try to please you visually. Oh, and before we forget, uh, back at that uh, police office, like, the main thing, I guess, was introducing him to the four replicants that he's going to be pursuing. There's uh, Leon, which we already met back there at that little interview. Batty, which is the uh, probably the leader, he says. There's also two female replicants, Zora and Pris. Uh, those are the four replicants that are still at large and sort of the driving force behind the whole movie, it looks like. Also, back at the station, you get that police squad vibe, and the only thing missing is whenever uh, Deckard's character walks in and sits down and you have the grumpy chief is Frank Drebin walking by in the background looking confused and then just walking off camera. Ten points for that reference, by the way. So now begins the uh, void comp test because Tyrell goes, ah, well, before you try it on one of my Nexus 6, try it on Miss Sultry, you know, shoulders here with her giant shoulder padded suit jacket. And he goes through all these questions and so on and so forth while she smokes her loosely rolled cigarette. The test is done, and she walks away, and you have uh, Mr. Tyrell go, she's got to be like 10 foot away. And Harrison Ford, she's got to be like 10 foot away. She don't know she's a robot, does she? (laughs) Thinks she's starting to suspect. You know, this bitch is like fucking six feet from them. That's probably why she winds up in his apartment later, just because she's so upset. I mean, like, there was no chill with it whatsoever. <laughs> no, she's not even out of the room, and they're like, she's a robot, and she's like, ah, she don't know yet, but fuck it. We also, right after that, get the gigantic Coke product placement. I don't know if it worked or not, but I could definitely go for some Coke and a nice new Atari game. <laughs> uh, so now they get a lead. And they want to go to uh, an apartment for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Leon's hotel room. Oh, that's right, because they listen to the recording. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I want to go there and check out the place. Edward James almost, his attire, as I saw him walk into the scene, I went, holy shit, did they steal his wardrobe for the Joker in the Dark Knight? Because <laughs> it almost looks spot on the same. He definitely has, like, a futuristic Doc Holliday thing going on. I was noticing Harrison Ford's uh, apparel during this whole movie was very, like, I don't know what's going on in the future, but I'm not sure I want a part of it if that tie matches that shirt. (laughs) Oh, the tie with, like, the chopped off (laughs) bottom. Or the jacket with the lapel so big it, like, covers the back of his head. Well, just both patterns are very, like, busy and not working together at all. But I guess that's... uh, the future for you yeah (laughs) if the future is the way he delivers his lines i want no part of it i'm gonna go there and maybe i'll take a shit maybe i won't (laughs) you know it's just like anything for future noodles i guess it's uh, he's the worst part of this movie so they make it to the apartment they begin to look around they discover some Polaroids because, you know, hey, the 80s are cool, so they made a comeback in 2019. <gasps> Who saw that coming? Uh, Probably the Simpsons. Exactly. <laughs> they found Polaroids and scales. And, you know, now he's got these clues. What else are you going to go home? You're going to go home, have a drink, and enhance. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go home and enhance. So Rutger Howard steps out of Bill and Ted's phone booth and asks Leon did he get his pictures and leon's like no 
there were men. He goes, men? Police? Men? Just the way he does it. I fucking love everything he does in this film. Rutger Howard, it's my vote. That line... I, that line is so direct. Like, he knows he's an idiot. And he's just like, so, policeman? Anything? Yeah. Tell me anything, please. Input. Details? Some details? <laughs> yeah, because he's like, I saw men. Okay, you saw men or policemen? Because if you just saw men, there's men everywhere. <laughs> it was and just... just like... Yeah, oh, man, my mustache. <laughs> <laughs> he had no chin. I'm just going to put that out there. That bothered me. <laughs> His face went from nose to neck. It was just... Whoop. You know who else doesn't have a chin? Turtles. Incidents? Yeah, ah, flips disc. <laughs> <laughs> so then, for whatever reason, the robots want to go and see the eye doctor. Yeah, the guy that um, makes all the replicants' eyes. And this poor old guy, that's all he does is just make optical stuff for these replicants and they decide to roll into town or roll into his place and just start bullying him yeah i still don't i must have missed something i don't know why they were there Do they need eyes they, i don't know well, they're, they they're thought, tracking down all the connections to the tyrell corporation they're looking for an in a way to get to mr tyrell yeah they they thought that he was in charge of like the biometric stuff but really his biometric stuff stopped at the optical department no, I just make eyes in this really, really cold place. As like the guy, the guy with no chin, just like putting eyes on him for no fucking reason, <laughs> just on his shoulders. He's like, I only do the eyes. It's so yeah. good. And they're just like, they're just giving him a hard time. They're just roughing him up for no reason. They just like tear his jacket off, and now he's freezing. They put those gross eyes on him for no reason. Yeah, it's all the chinless dude, by the way. Rudger, Rudger Howard's just like hanging out. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it was a little thing that I, I caught that maybe I'm wrong about. The uh, fellow who made the eyes, every time he took a breath, there was steam. But whenever the replicants spoke, there was, was not. Ooh. Oh, there was. Yeah. Rutger Howard had um, some mist there. Because I, I, uh, I put a close eye on it, too. I was just like, huh, okay, that's fine. Because like, they must have filmed that in like an actual cold environment for them to do that. Yeah, I thought it was pretty neat either way. Uh, but... Right after that, you know, the torture scene with the little robot eye guy, we cut to Harrison Ford's apartment. And again, this is something, thanks to taking the notes and whatnot, that I noticed I never noticed before. The interior of his house looks a lot like the Millennium Falcon. Like, just, <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the shitter, just waiting. You don't know. <laughs> he's in the Millennium Shitter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. just, just, you know... What, uh, he's gonna walk into the room and he'll be like, Chewy, enhance. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> I, I just imagine him on the toilet, just like, punch it. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's got like a padded look, but uh, it's like a bunch of squares, like a lot of that um, sound dampening foam that you find in like yeah. recording studios and stuff, just like everywhere and painted gold. It just reminded me of the interior of the Falcon, and I saw that and I had a chuckle. And also, he's a hoarder. He's just got shit everywhere. It doesn't make any rhyme or reason. Those are for all my loose cases. Yeah, it's like make the, they were like, make the place look lived in and just backed up a dump truck and just dumped it there. <laughs> make it look lived in by an old hobo. <laughs> yeah. With a shotgun. Da-da-da-da. Or whatever that thing would be. 
But hey, he's not alone. Um, he uh, just gets out of the elevator and turns out that Rachel was standing there for who knows how long. How convenient. Like, uh, he's a he's technically a police officer. He's been doing this forever. And, like, he gets frightened by her. And the first thing he does, he doesn't go for this gun. He goes for a stupid door card and he fumbles it like a champ. Like a mouse. So they have, like, a little conversation. There's not much really going on there. Just a replicant this, replicant that. Oh, no. And then... She storms out while he's pouring a drink. Well, I mean, rightly so. I mean, he basically just said, like, yeah, you're a replicant. What are you going to do? Uh, where's my family? Oh, <laughs> uh, Whenever mean, you just said the way he lived, I can, I can kind of see why she would want to storm out. She had to wait for him to wash a new... Like, he only keeps one clean glass. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. She went from a palace to this slum. <laughs> yeah, legitimately, it was terrible the next scene fades in and we have the pleasure bot pris hiding in the trash as they try to get a new in with jf and the man who plays this character i only oh, reckon world sebastian from man's best friend oh no as soon as i as soon as i saw him i was like that's fucking larry from newhart i heard the voice and i was like that's larry from newhart He's about to introduce me to his brother Daryl and his other brother Daryl. Oh <laughs> yeah, that guy. Okay, okay. See, as I soon remember as I heard the voice, I had him from Man's Best Friend, starring Lance Hendrickson, and Lone Wolf McQuaid with Chuck Norris. Uh, she she has like this weird back and forth. She has this weird back and forth talk with him, to where she's trying to get him to invite her up. Yeah, and but, you can definitely tell, like, he's never yeah. been around females in his entire nope. life. Like, you know, he's definitely, like, Wikipedia'd them, but no. <laughs> and so she has to take the initiative, and he takes her upstairs. And he's like, I work with, with toys. I make my friends. I'm lonely. I make my own toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and super fucking weird, because they walk in, and two, like, little, I guess, basically, little people walk up, and they're like, hey, Sebastian. He's like, hey, guys. Bye, Sebastian. I'm just like, hmm. This is fucking gross. They are weird. Uh, they look like some sort of weird Napoleonic toy people that you would have seen in The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. If you guys haven't seen that movie, check it out. Uh, to me, they were like robotic Santa's elves or something. <laughs> something like that, but like the first thing that popped into my mind is just like, man, he lives in this whole building by himself. I'm like, are they just like standing out and watching Jacket or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> So, we cut back to Harrison Ford, and he is enhancing and chilling. And he gets the serial number off a microscopic scale. And what blows my mind for this is whenever he uses this scale and he takes it to the person and he gets it looked at under a microscope, they have to look at it on the literal microscopic level to see the serial number to this snake, which is complete bullshit. There is no company that's going to hide their work. That snake would have had a Gucci fucking logo in its scales. <laughs> Shout out to Gucci Kroger, by the way. Gucci! Sponsor us. Oh, lawsuit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was quick. So he, he takes the um the little scale back to the uh, the place where it was created. It's like 
dude that's running like the snake shop or whatever. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is like one of my most expensive snakes. Only two or three people um, buy, buy these things. Like, okay, what's their name? And he didn't even get it out of his face before Harrison Ford grabs him by the tide. I guess threatens his life or whatever. Like Jesus Christ, going from zero to sixty here, but not in the rest of the movie. Bravo, yeah. Harrison Ford. <laughs> even the wife, while we're watching this, she was like, "Why is he being a little punk this entire film?" <laughs> That's good, punk Deckard. Yeah, I mean, his character to be the guy who goes out and retires these fucking killing machine robots. He's just, oh my god, he just, hey, you know, just having such a hard time of it. <laughs> Flavin, hey! Yeah, just... But then we're introduced to the lady who owns the snake, and he gets back there under the guise. Again, we're making that funny voice. He uses that exact voice to try to talk to one of these replicants, who I refer to as Shimmer Tits, the snake lady. Oh yeah, Zora. Yeah, at this point I actually went to to get a new beer uh, to drink about this movie, uh, and I I didn't want to miss anything, so I... I was watching this movie with my wife, and I, I yelled in there, Hey, what am I missing? What's going on? And Cody said, She's holding a snake and being a slut. And I had no, <laughs> I had no context for that. Oh, oh, my God. Well, while we're at it, what beer did you go grab to drink about? For this movie, I've been drinking about Brewdog's Punk IPA. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I figured it was fitting. They describe it as a post-punk apocalyptic ale it's uh actually a scottish brewery but they i guess recently opened up uh, a satellite brewery in ohio so we can get it here now uh this is a 5.6 percent ipa which is kind of uh, low for uh, something that's labeled an ipa it's honestly kind of middle of the road for something that's considered it's a little punk it's really not outrageous kind of you don't want to slam dance that thing down your throat (laughs) this is the billy idol of punk much like rutger hauer is in this film it's all in the haircut guys (laughs) so what's the uh what's the overall feel of this beverage chandler (laughs) did we lose him no i'm here I'm just trying to to come up with something that's uh, an overall feel of this beverage. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, those are your lips smacking. I wonder what that was. It's like something in a can. No, it's just it's just boring. It's uh... so it's some 41 in a can. (laughs) I don't even know that it like some 41 at least had this is all American rejects or something that tries to pass off as punk but it's it's just some 41 in a can (laughs) this is definitely pop punk this is definitely pop punk i'm just a little angry they didn't have the class to call it rum 41 so well that sounds like a uh, semi-interesting beer so back to the movie we have snake lady mrs sparkle boobs and whatnot she puts on this weird looking plastic armor stuff that harrison ford's helping her put on and then she just judy chops him and starts to choke him with a tie you know because she couldn't just punch through his head or anything she's got to choke him with a tie i thought he was done for i thought that was the end of the movie i uh you know i was ready to wrap it up right there i'm just saying this man's acting is fucking atrocious in this film this fight scene the fight scene later with uh leon it's 
Jeez. He he's not uh, he's not like a physical detective, I guess. He's very shrimpy. She starts to choke him with a tie. People are coming in. She doesn't want to get caught, so she flees. And while she's fleeing, she's wearing like this see-through raincoat, and they run outside. And whenever they run outside, again, you get another glimpse of this fucking world. And it's yeah. incredible. It is so densely populated. There are so many people moving. There are so many vehicles. Uh, it just feels real. And yeah, he starts opening fire in the middle of all of it. Fuck yeah, he does. And he misses yeah, he, he, a couple he, shots. And you don't know where those rounds went. No, there's definitely some casualties in there. Yeah, poor little noodle guy. Oh, Got man. it when he was least expecting it. Ladies and gentlemen, these guns in this film put fist-sized holes in people. Just, you could probably step through one of these holes. And a reoccurring theme for Harrison Ford and his gun is he shoots people in the back. <laughs> yeah. That's very true, which is probably one of the coolest scenes in the movie. As she's yeah. running away, she like oh my tries to jet through like a uh, like a fashion show place with all that glass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And finally, Harrison Ford gets a shot on her and shoots her right through her titty, and like gets her. Boom! Ah, she falls through like two more planes of glass, and he's just like boom, boom, pop, pop. They got all its blood spraying out everywhere. The the gore is is amazing because they're setting this beautiful jazz music to it. And it's just selling the scene as tremendously important. Uh, the lighting effects of these lights that are peering through these windows and some of the fluorescent bulbs and things are just refracting in the camera lens itself. And it looks, for me personally, one of the most incredible scenes I've ever seen on film. I love it. It's probably like the sexiest death in the movie. It's kind of weird oh, to say. It's so good. Uh, the special effects and the sets for this film, again, I, can, I can't say it enough, are amazing. Uh, whenever she's dead, he's standing there, and it's kind of snowy, and then it's raining, and, you know, crazy weather, 2019. Well, these guys, uh, they're not alone. Apparently, this is, like, where everybody decides to congregate because you got uh, good old Leon hanging out watching this whole thing happen. Yeah, he's across the street just like, oh, oh look at that, oh, my mustache. He just... He's just over there just not having a chin or whatever. So, like, uh, after uh, Deckard just talks to the police, like, ah, I'm a Blade Runner. Ah, this is my job. I murder. Anyways, they're like, okay, whatever. Sayonara. We'll take care of it. <laughs> and he gets, like, a little ways away, and Leon just confronts him, like, right there. He's just like, oh, when's my birthday? Oh. You know, just <laughs> out of fucking nowhere. I, I have the note written down that says, birthday beat down. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> when's my birthday? And... If you have not been paying super close attention to this film, this line is going to catch you so hard off guard. Yeah, he's trying to do that. He's trying to do the test on him. Yeah, he just comes out out of nowhere, like you said. If you're not paying attention, just like, when's my birthday? How old am I? How long do I got? Where's my chance? Thorne's like, I don't know, (laughs) and just starts beating the shit out of him. And on both parts, both Leon and Deckard. Harrison Ford and this other fellow whose name escapes me at the moment, their acting it is so phoned in. Harrison Ford is jumping before he's thrown. He's over-exaggerating facial expressions banging uh, like up against a trash can. The He goes to punch Deckard and Deckard gets out of the way after he delivers this zero-impact one-liner that's so dry and bad longer than you and then punches through it it's gotta be one of the worst scenes in the film and again 
Deckard is rescued by uh, Shoulderbot McNor Smoke. <laughs> it just gets more and more complicated. <laughs> she fucking sits in the back of the head. Leave Rachel alone. <laughs> <laughs> he gets rescued, and long story short, they make it back to his apartment again. And we get our first glimpse of Harryness Ford's topless self. Yeah, he's definitely packing a couple Brillo pads up there in his little uh, Ford titties. Yeah, he's just, hey there, little robot. I said, kiss me. And she's like, no, and robot love should be playing. And this whole scene... <laughs> well, th- that's the thing. Um, replicants aren't robots. They're actual people, but they just have, like, a, an a- expiration date. Well, a shelf life. Well... We made him. Robot. I have in my notes uh, at this point, homeboy about to fuck a robot. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, shit. Uh, We get a real uncomfortable sex scene kind of thing going on. It was really awkward. Really, like, I I felt real awkward. Everything about that scene felt awkward. It was about as awkward as her shoulders are all the time. For real. And she let her hair down, girl. But she does have, like, a really cool line. It's just like, you know, after Harrison shoots somebody, or excuse me, shoots a replicant, he gets the shakes, and Rachel had it too. And he's like, ah, that's just the business. And she's like, I'm not in the business. Close up. I am the business. (laughs) He's about to give her the business. Uh, <laughs> the business to get in the business. Oh, shit. Uh, then we cut to Pleasure Bot Pris. Pris. Putting Pris. on makeup like she's going to be attending a Marilyn Manson concert. No, like, every <laughs> single woman or female character in this movie has this weird, like, Grace Jones quality to them. And I guess that might have just been the 80s, like... Future yeah, everything's in the at, 80s, but everything's at an angle, and everybody has just eyes shadowed straight to their chin. Yeah, yeah. So she's putting on this makeup, and they've got a real tight shot of her face to really, you know, hey, look at her, she's wacky. And as she sprays it on with an airbrush and opens her eyes, you can see that she has been doing this over and over and over because her poor fucking eyeballs are so just completely bloodshot from this makeup getting into them. Oh, that was just the bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did feel kind of bad, and she probably had to do that forever, because I noticed as the movie went on, her, like, her acne started to act up or whatever, so she had that thick-ass makeup, and had like oh, little yeah. like, crunch bar little divots just popping up everywhere. And then it cuts back to Sebastian, who's given his like life story. And then he explains that he has uh, macular degeneration, which is, you know, you age super fast. Like Jack, starring Robin Williams. Go see that film, folks. We should review that and cry about it. Well, I was going to say, like, you know, just like the replicants, they have such a short life. But now I'm sad about Robin Williams. Expected decrepitude is the term that they use. In the meantime, she has invited up our boy Roy Batty, uh, Rutger Hauer's character, and... Again, I love this from the way he looks, his speech, the way he presents himself on on stage. He just has such a presence. Such a blind fury. <laughs> then we get this little cutover to Pris, for whatever reason. Uh, she sticks her hands into this 
boiling test tube that has eggs in it, because apparently you boil eggs in a test tube in the future. And she tosses it to Sebastian. He's like, oh, it's too hot. And they begin to try to talk him into sneaking them into Tyrell Corporation. He's like, well, I don't know if I can. And so, aw, Chris goes, you're our best and only friend. And then it cuts back to the boiling, and the boiling intensifies. <laughs> and I remember just <laughs> laughing as soon as that happened. Now, this poor guy thought he had a girlfriend, and her boyfriend shows up, and then now she's throwing eggs all over the fucking place. That's the guy she told you not to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Doing fucking back handsprings and shit. So then he explains that, you know, he plays chess with Tyrell and Rutger Howard gets an idea that if they play chess together, he can get Tyrell to basically invite him up because he beat him. So they get into the elevator to head to Tyrell Corpse. And sure enough, uh, Rutger Howard's character's idea works and it gets them in. And the scene in the elevator, whenever he gets checkmate, the lighting in this scene is so cool and Rutger Hauer's smile in the chess scene finish is absolutely amazing just the way he looks in that scene this man sells this movie to me as soon as I watch it I watch it for him but um things don't quite turn out well for the guy I mean like we have like a really cool like meet your maker thing like I mentioned earlier yeah but then like he's just like well if you can't make me live longer, I guess you can't live any longer. Thumbs in the eyeball. Yeah, I got uh, man kiss head squish. <laughs> <laughs> Ober it was and very Mart- the mountain versus Oberyn Martell. The Viper. Roy, after doing this, is wandering around in Tyrell's house, and he looks up. And for whatever reason, it's got stars streaking by a window. And I was like, is this supposed to be a Millennium Falcon window? And Roy's confused how he got here? No. <laughs> I laughed at the scene again. I like how everything just like goes back to Millennium Falcon. That's <laughs> good. It's got Harrison Ford, so that's where my mind's going, Star Wars, all day. See, I'm just thinking about how Indiana Jones felt around that snake that she had. <laughs> Why'd it have to be snakes? So then we have uh, Decker, who is... Uh, he knows his goal is to find Sebastian now. He's uh, got the word from, the, the, I guess, the other cops that he's, he's got to track down this Sebastian fellow. He is spotted with, uh, with Roy. And he goes to Sebastian's apartment. In the apartment, all of his little robots are sitting around, and Pris is sitting there under a veil, and she looks super cool. The way she's holding still is really neat. And then her combat style... You get a Cartwell head scissors followed by a T-1000 run. (laughs) She's like squishing his head and he gets loose and she starts doing back handsprings for no fucking reason. And again, he shoots this bitch in the back. Just boom, boom. Just fucking. That's what happens when you load your replicants with ragdoll physics. They just go. Just doing this back handspring and he shoots her in the back. She fucking smacks against the wall, starts flopping. Looking and like Sia on bath salts. Straight up like Sia on bath salts. It is insane how much this chick is flopping. And she is doing an amazing <laughs> job of selling it. Just, just all over the thing. And he's just like, oh my god, stop flopping. And just starts shooting her some more. And through the whole thing, there's still just tremendous use of, of light and light's effect against shadow and silhouettes. Yeah, because he has so much shit in his apartment. There's just always something silhouetted somewhere. It's just gorgeous. It really is. Even in things like this, it's just gorgeous. 
I feel like every house is just a dump. That's just what it is. Everyone's but it's just still gorgeous. Everyone's just a hoarder. <laughs> trash is all so, Yeah, yeah. It's like trash days once a month. Garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get uh, Deckard preparing his ambush because he knows Batty, Roy, Mister Howard is coming, and it's finally time for the showdown. Replicant versus the punching bag alcoholic murder machine Deckard. <laughs> Damn, can that be my nickname? You wish. Yeah, and like inside the ring or in the sack? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why not both? Uh, Batty Roy begins to step around the corner and boom! Unleashes this round from his gun that somehow now fires explosive rounds and it blows up at the end of the hallway and this is where the movie shines this showdown with Rutger Howard just getting to be the star that he is of this movie fires off with not very sporting to fire on an unarmed opponent I thought you were supposed to be a good man and and meanwhile Harrison Ford is just like in the background just like oh shit yeah he's just cowering yes, I better run yeah and so he's walking across the wall, and he's got his little gun in his hand. Boom! Through the wall comes uh, Rutger Hauer's arm. Grabs his arm with the pistol. Pulls it through. Oh, grabs yeah, one his finger. Yes! There's nothing he can do. And even, again, this is one of the few scenes I like that Harrison Ford does. He sells the face of helplessness. He, there's nothing he can do in the arms of this replicant. It's just too powerful. And it goes, proud of yourself, little man. This is for Pris. And breaks his finger. And he screams. And he breaks another finger. And, you know, for each person that he's hurt for him, he breaks a finger. And then he releases his hand and puts his face in the hole that he created. You've got to shoot straight. You know, just, here I am, do it. And he misses. I just love And he misses. And Rutger Hauer's character is leaning on the other side of the wall now with blood running down his ear and he goes straight doesn't seem to be good enough I'm going to give you a few seconds before I come and me and my wife both laughed at this you know juvenile sense of humor and we started chuckling a little bit but uh, I love that bit because it's just like him toying with him the whole time oh, I don't even necessarily I don't even think he necessarily wanted to kill him at this point because he was starting to shut down there's very yeah, little time left and he was just basically just like you know just like almost like Coyote and uh, Roadrunner. This is more of a let me see or not let me see, let me show you how it feels to be on my side of this to live in fear and he says, I'm going to give you a few seconds before I come and then he starts counting while Deckard runs <laughs> and you got Billy Idol over there licking strawberry jam from Pris <laughs> but whenever he's kind of an awkward scene Oh, really awkward. But when he's done and he stands up and he's got like the little bit of Pris's blood on his face and some of the drywall, it looks like badass war paint. And then he lets out this howl. And it's amazing. And he starts running. Time to start running. But he starts running and he, he's, <laughs> he's going, I'm coming in a sing-song voice. Like he just knows that he's shutting down and he's just trying to enjoy this. 
Well, uh, they finally, like, I mean, Deckard finally weasels his way outside, though. He gets on top of a rooftop and everything. It's piss pouring down a rain. He doesn't know where to go. Like, his gun's been thrown wherever, and he's got a busted-ass hand, so he's basically cornered now. Yeah. By the way, why was it raining harder inside the hotel than outside? I can't yeah, it was a focused that. rain. It was a focused rain through those holes. Yeah. Uh, they then work their way to the rooftop, the tip-top rooftop, where you have uh, Roy looking like Billy Idol, just covered in blood and rain. Letting out a rebel yell. He is letting out that rebel yell. And it has me wanting more, more, more. <laughs> he he gives this speech to him at this point and in my notes I have two pages of notes on the film and then my final page of notes is everything that Rutger Howard does in this last bit because it's, that's much it's beautiful exactly that's how much of it's, this uh, that I enjoy uh, yeah I've always had trouble with this movie whether I like it or not but the last ten minutes of this movie are fucking flawless oh just amazing his, and apparently his, uh, his monologue was like 80% or whatever, uh, just ad-libbed. Like he made most of it up on the spot, especially the most famous bit. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tinhausen Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain time to die and he lets go of this dove that he just so happened to be carrying around and he shuts off I was and a little amused well, I mean, about how he just came to have a dove by the way well I mean doesn't everybody have a metaphor clenched in their fist duh that's fair that's his little replicant soul flowing into the ether but that is still today one of my favorite scenes I've ever seen in any film it's fucking powerful the, the the way it's shot again the soundtrack the setting Rutger Hauer's delivery incredible if you guys don't want to watch the movie whatever I could I could really care less give Rutger Hauer your time look up this final scene and enjoy it it is incredible it's it's just one of those things that, that will always stick with you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's it's not just delivery, but tone. It's just so chilling. Because it, it speaks not only volumes to himself, but also just like people in general. Because yes. like once you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. After this breathtaking scene, he is discovered by Edward James Olmes' character. And he goes, you've done a man's job, sir. And then it pans over, and you see Harrison Ford's face, and it's... He's, like, uh, he's just so shriveled up. He's just... just uh, he's getting too damn old for this. Down. His neck almost seems non-existent. He looks like uh, Leon from earlier, just... Uh, <laughs> just knows the neck. <laughs> you get to see the cop car again, which is awesome. They really showcase this thing, and I appreciate it every time I see it. I think at this point, um, Bryant knew that like he wasn't going to go after Rachel because yes. it was mentioned earlier. Like even, even though that he shot the first replicant, the t total is still four because she got away from uh, Tyrell. Yeah, and he says it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who does? And that's Which is also deep. <laughs> yeah, I love that line. It's so wild yeah, that most of this movie is surface deep. Like it's it's very 
beautiful to look at. Then right at the end, it just like shanks you right in the back with some just wonderful goodness. Right in the yeah. They they get you good, and you wait the movie to get those bits. Had they had more of those bits sprinkled through, I think it could have done a lot more. And I love Harrison Ford. I really do. I think that they could have got someone better, more charismatic, uh, more alive for that role. Well, you're not totally wrong. Like this is definitely like an old style noir movie where. The, the main character, like the detective character, is always kind of monotone. He's very just kind of plateaued. Yeah, he's just very stellar. plateaued and he stays there. But uh, there's a huge question in this movie that I think this movie is worth the watch to see if you can answer. Whether or not Deckard was a replicant all along. Hmm. And honestly, I didn't even think about that until you mentioned it earlier today. Now, well, yeah, I had to bring it up because the more I watch this movie... Uh, this being the final cut version, I know there's seven seven different official cuts, but this is the one that's uh, that had um, uh, Ridley Scott's actual hands on. Like this is the final cut. There are a lot of things alluding to it, like uh, those little bits with the unicorn and stuff. There's a lot of uh, like uh, symbology. But the one thing that kind of tipped me off was at the very beginning of the movie is that they didn't even say whether or not or like whom they sent as Blade Runners, but they sent units called Blade Runners. Like, you don't call a person a unit. And then there's, uh, at one point Rachel asks, like, have you ever taken that test that you give to, to people? And he just and kind he, of avoids the question. Well, I mean, he passes out, but he's just like, uh... <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, he goes and grabs his robo-lady and they run away into the night, and the movie ends. And if I had to wrap it up in a nutshell, this movie is everything that you want in a sci-fi film the setting the soundtrack it, not even sci-fi just a movie in general is given to you in such a perfect package i wish i just wish i could have identified with harrison ford's character more he is the main character and to me it's not the i suppose the writing of the character it's just the performance that Ford himself gives that I don't like. I just don't like him in the role. You don't like his uh, not-cop voice when he's trying to interview someone to see if there's replicants? Everything I do sounds like I'm very grumpy and I haven't had my coffee yet. Just everything. No, that sounds like a cop. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy that I got to like let you guys watch this with me. It's definitely a movie that I've been wanting to discuss, just like talk about, shoot the shit with forever. Uh, I, for one, am really happy that I watched this. It's one of those movies that I I kind of avoided for a long time because I've always heard, you know, that it's this great um, groundbreaking piece of, of film. But, you know, what can live up to, you know, all the hype? But visually, it absolutely does. I don't care that it was made in 1982. Visually, it is as good as anything that I've ever seen. Um, it's just breathtaking. Uh the script, you know, it is what it is, um, but it's absolutely worth seeing, if nothing else, for the, the ooh, pretty factor. I think after all this time, I think I finally like it. I think I do. I kind of want to watch it again. Um, <laughs> I, I think it just took me just to, like, kind of let my guard down, because I've, I've always waited for the movie to tell me what's great about it, instead of me actually just, like, taking the time to pay extreme attention to it. I know, I think I like it. I think it's a good movie. 
it's kind of weird to say it's been a really like a long time coming it's kind of odd like i felt like i i feel like i feel jazzed about it still i i think in part that is due to the sequel blade runner 2049 that movie does what this movie does not and uh it it's so good it improves the first one so that's why i have such that's why i think i have such uh, an allurement to the first movie now well that's good i like i said i just really enjoy everything about this film other than the acting of harrison ford and some of the other characters but like i said i've seen it about seven times and you don't watch a movie that you don't like seven times i love this movie for everything it has in it i I, yeah i have to agree i've seen this movie a ton of times it's almost like a movie i revisit just to see if i like it or not and this is definitely the closest that i've come to loving the movie i like it i do i i kind of want to watch it again well that was blade runner just want to thank everybody out there for listening uh i'm brady i'm eric i'm chandler and we are the Beards and Brews fellas. Or I guess you can call us the Beards and Brews crew. Now, if so, you want to follow our crew, you can uh, find us on Twitter at Beards Brewscast. Thanks to everybody for listening. And I uh, see you guys next week.